Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 250. Woo! Don't look now, there's nothing to see. It's an audio podcast. <laughs> my name is Josh Canal. To my left, the very beautiful and pretty and summery Courtney Hocking. Summery, yes. Hello, how are you? Well, thank you. And to my right, the as always charming, handsome and delightful... Sometimes debonair... <laughs> oh, you wanted me to talk about you. Okay, Brett Cropley. <laughs> Good evening, viewers. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah. See what I did there? Yeah. 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 It, was, it was my pet pig. Um, 250. Hey. That he was talking about. No. <laughs> you start off by calling me fat. What is this? <laughs> Jesus. I hate this. Well, that's really set the tone for, uh, for episode 250. 250. That's a lot of episodes. Yeah. Danny Lick asked me on Twitter today if we were going to have any, you know, big guests. For, uh, again, again for, with the fat. For, oh, I just, I'm not going to be able to win here. I'm not going to be able to win at all. It is, it's a huge it's, podcast. It is a huge, he asked me if we're going to have any big guests for the, for the 250. So big we went widescreen on the video podcast hey. this week. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and I realised that we really just kind of uh, blew our guest load in, in the last few weeks. We've totally guessed it up. Yes, and uh, and this no, so no two fifty. Nothing. It's kind of like kind of like when you turn thirty five and you just mm. go. Oh, oh, I just, I just uh, yeah. I'll I just, just I'll just spend it at home. I just want people I know to yeah. bring me things I like. Yeah, I think that's what we're doing here. That's that's what we're doing. Yeah, people I know bring me things I like about television. Yeah, I it's, like that. It's exactly your thirty fifth birthday. It, it, <laughs> it sure. <laughs> Okay, sure. you're going with that? Yeah, yeah, I'm going with that. I will accept presents from people I like. Mm. Uh, in this episode of Box Cutters, we're going to talk about Rake. Last week, it was my one thing to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been three episodes of it thus far, and so we can talk about it with full knowledge. I don't even want to know if you've seen it, Courtney. I'm going to ask you during the segment. Okay. Excellent. I look forward to that. Uh, also, Toby Halligan started doing an investigation into how television affects people. Right. Yeah, it's it's how, it's a very how it blanks loose... their mind and and takes away any will to to be creative on their own terms. Well, it's it's kind of a loose theme, but we were talking about the the possibility of uh, kind of having themed uh, overarching concepts going throughout the episodes, and so this is uh, the, the start of a little bit of, of an experiment where we're looking at how television affects the individual uh, and and what we take from TV into our real lives. Uh, so he's got an interview with a psychologist or psychiatrist, I really should have asked him, psychologist, uh, named uh, Dr. Jan Holt, who, uh, who wrote a piece for news.com.au and uh, she was talking about Pack to the Rafters. Mm-hmm. So Toby got in touch with her to talk about that. We're going to hear that later on in the show. Uh, we've also got some letters. We've got one thing to watch We've got Pork with Trotters and Toby Halligan. This episode's all Toby Halligan, really. I'm just going to pretend to be Toby. Is that going Ma- to be working? Is, yeah. Yeah, that, that'll be working. Josh, Josh, is what you're doing uh, actually making up because this was going to be the week that he was going to be on TV? <laughs> was he this needs- going to be it? 
He needs some. <laughs> he needs some time in the you're spotlight. A, you're a good friend, Josh. You you're a good friend. I believe this was going to be the week he was going to be on TV. Strictly speaking, yes, he's not going to be. Right. No. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. To be fair, he he was on TV a few weeks ago. He was. He was. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was only on Channel Thirty One in in Victoria. But, uh, that's that's no, no, but TV. Yeah. Oh, it's totally TV. And we're the stalwart of, of Australian comedy. Yeah. Yes. And then uh, the other day in Myers, he was uh, captured on CCTV. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, yeah. So uh, so that's twice. Crime Stoppers next that's, week. That's twice. <sighs> As always, though, we're going to kick things off with the Box Cutters news. You know, a friend of mine recently appeared on The Colbert Report, uh, which is a really big TV show seen by millions and millions and millions of people. That wasn't Toby Halligan. <laughs> Courtney. Was, was that uh, the guy that's got the genius Nobel Prize or whatever? Yeah, why not? Who no, was it was it? just just a friend of mine in the American audience. American friend? Okay. It's actually actually Riley Boxcutter and, uh, and, uh, and his wife. Because there was an Australian Ooh. guy who was on the show and he's, he's had some, some genius award bestowed upon him. Let's say that's Riley on Boxcutter. Colbert. Why not? Why not? Uh, Courtney Hocking, you have our first news item. I do indeed. A bit of news coming out of um, Australian regulations, really, on the free-to-air channels. They're talking a little bit about how the Labor government's about to release their long-awaited changes to broadcasting laws governing sports and special events. About to is is such a relative term, isn't it? Yeah. We've been about to for about the last five years. Correct. Uh, And it is an election. I'm about to win a million (laughs) dollars. Yeah, I'm about to die. I mean, really, anything could happen. Oh, can you not until the end of the show? I'll try. I'll Thanks. do my best. But it's a relative term. It'll be so hard to find a replacement at this late stage. <laughs> Toby Halligan can do a girl's voice. It's cool. Don't worry. <laughs> um, so basically what they're talking about is at the moment there's regulations as to who gets to play the big AFL, NRL cricketing matches on free-to-air mostly. The major sporting events. The major events. sporting yep. events. And uh, there's been some talk about putting them on uh, pay television. Well, can, can, I, can I say, this has been misreported in the media quite a lot. Mm. Uh, there, there's been a lot of talk about uh, whether or not uh, the government will put them on pay t- TV or whether or not the government will keep them on free-to-air TV. That's the when they both making, already are already. If, the, if it comes off the anti-siphon law uh, list, then, then, then the government has to go, then it puts has it on to go on pay Fox TV. Tel- yes. That's, yes. Is, yes. is That's that how, how it works? Goes? Right, yeah. <laughs> right. It's not how it works, Brent. No. It's, well, it's not. How, how it works is if it comes off the uh, anti-siphoning list, then free TV channels are going to have to compete mm. with pay TV channels for the rights to broadcast these mm. things. And at the moment, they don't have to compete with the pay TV channels. They only have to compete with each other. Really? Well, they do, for but not them? on the big yeah, sporting events. Exactly. They already do for some of the sporting events. Yeah, but not, events, but not, not for the, the things that are on the anti-siphoning that's list. That's right. Or so. just regular TV. Yeah, yep. that's true. Yeah, but we're talking about sport. Hello. Mm. So this is the more important thing at the moment. Um, so, yeah, basically 2020 is now going onto the list, apparently. 2020 cricket? Yeah. Sure. Are you, are you excited So is it that? just kind of in limbo? Because it's just been invented, relatively speaking. What, 2020 cricket? Yeah. 
not really. It says it's, it's, it's well, <laughs> it's tipped to join the list of protected events. So, yeah, limbo, basically. There's a lot of um, possible language in this article that I'm reading. But the re- current regulations they have expire on the 31st of December. And apparently Stephen Connery is considering additions and removals from the list of 12 quarantine sporting events that must be broadcast on free air channels. I guess it depends on uh, how many times he take, gets taken snowboarding uh, yes. by the owners of our... Uh, big, uh, media, media organisations. Yeah. Yes, exactly. People take this stuff very seriously. When I used to work at Channel 10, people would ring up and channel. lose their Channel 7. Thank I apologise. Thank you. I don't know. I got excited for a moment. <laughs> I thought I did that something that matters. Um, <laughs> I was on Channel Ring Up. People rang up at Channel 7. They'd lose their minds about the sporting matches that weren't on free-to-air because it's unconstitutional and this is supposed to be a democracy and you're ruining our country considering what? By just were playing they, stuff on TV. Were they upset that Slam Ball wasn't on free to air? <gasps> Slam Ball is on free to air. It is now. I don't even know what Slam Ball is. Uh, it's like basketball. basketball, but with trampolines. <gasps> and full contact. Oh, my God. That sounds awesome. It is. Uh, I prefer yes. ice hockey because it's so violent. But, yeah, that sounds good too. Yeah, Slam Ball's pretty bad. Like Really? Yeah, yeah. People get – as if you're not going to get hurt playing basketball <laughs> on trampolines with full contact. <laughs> I want to watch. It's almost erotic. It sounds amazing. <laughs> Check your guide for uh, on, on uh, <laughs> slam ball times. I'm going to take Conroy skiing and talk to him about this. I think I think you should, Courtney. I think uh, it'll be no surprise to, to 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 answer your question. No surprise to the listeners to hear that I think the anti siphoning uh, list is a crock of shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brett Cropley thinks it's very important. Uh, I think that's that's pretty much summed it up. Yeah. Right. I, I think there are cultural yeah. reasons Fight. why uh, it it shouldn't be locked away in a uh, walled pay garden. And I think there are uh, competitive and uh, and moving forward, let's say progress reasons why uh, it should just be open to everyone. Fine, you're just an enemy of culture. I understand. Uh, veteran producer and TV executive William Self has passed away. Uh, he helped bring shows such as Mash to the small screen. Uh, he was 89, so tragically cut down in the prime of his life <laughs> there, unfortunately. Uh, he also developed uh, Room 222, Julia and Lost in Space. Danger, Will <gasps> Robinson, danger. Right. So he's like, uh, he's like, he would have been Grandpa TV, they would have called him in Hollywood. Yeah, I'm not sure they you, do that. You don't, think, you don't think they did that? No. They didn't just say, hey, Grandpa TV's coming down the street. You know, no, 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 that didn't happen. Um, he was also uh, involved with the the Twilight Zone back in the day. Uh, worked his way up through the ranks of 20th Century Fox. Well, he had a bit of time to do it. Yeah. He's 89. Yeah, he only he only just finished. <laughs> well, he did well for himself, I reckon. And uh, and and for just himself. just to clarify, that's not Will Self, uh, the English writer. Uh, it, it's a different William Self. Right. It's an American one, not the English one, that was uh, caught uh, shooting up heroin on John Major's plane during uh, the election campaign, which uh, Tony Blair won, I believe. Wow. I'm glad he didn't die. I'm glad Toby Halligan's looking that up on the uh, on the internet to possibly save us from a lawsuit. No, no, uh, no. I, know, I, I just don't know if he was okay. shooting up heroin or if he just had heroin or if he was just, you know, licking cake. <laughs> Looking cake into his arms. Into his arms. <laughs> Haven't you heard about cake? We've all done. It's the new drug. Cake. It's the new drug. Give it's the me new drug. Cake. cake. Meow meow. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, two years ago, a coalition. <laughs> this is this is the this is the uh, this is the oh my god, the world's in turmoil. Television mm-hmm. news because mm. sometimes TV news is about world's in turmoil. 
Ordinarily, I bring this sort of news about Hugo Chavez. Ah, uh, yeah. That crazy old wacko. Yeah, this is, this is a little bit different. Two years ago, a coalition government cobbled together some sort of control in Zimbabwe. Ah. And in doing so, promised media reform, including releasing television licenses to commercial interests. Ah. So, uh, back in the late 90s, Zimbabwe had one non-government uh, TV station, mm-hmm. uh, which I think was called Joy. Not to be confused with the no, uh, with the station. Melbourne radio station, uh, nor the Christian, nor the uh, Christian uh, American. <laughs> who don't American want to be radio. confused with the radio yeah. station who either? I, who always bitch about Joy calling themselves Joy FM? Yeah, <sighs> I want I want a patent on Joy. Damn it! Yeah, screw you, Christians. Yeah. Not a patent. The other one, whatever. The on. Copyright? You want yeah, a, you want a copyright is. happiness? Yeah, just generally. I do. Uh, at the start of this month, being November, despite the expectation and implications that a new TV. Uh, that, that a whole set of new TV licenses would be released. The government announced uh, announced that nothing of the sort would be taking place. What? Yeah. So they're uh, hey, elect us when we come together. Yeah, we're going to have more TV. At the moment, they've got two channels: mm. ZBC One mm-hmm. and ZBC Two. Mm. Great. I'm sure that's good. And so this is the the first sign of uh, what it seems is going to be a, a crackdown on free media in Zimbabwe oh, in general. That's a shame. Now. This, this guy has a really interesting job. He's permanent secretary in the Ministry of Media, Information and Publicity. His name's uh, George Charamba. And he said that the licences would not be forthcoming because the government has no capacity to monitor and regulate the activities of new players. Do you think that's an excuse or do you think they went, hang on, this is a bigger job than we can handle? I think it's... Well, it's... it's it's really controversial mm. in Zimbabwe. Uh, there are critics of uh, Mugabe's presidency that suggest that he's stalling to avoid uh, yeah. broadcast of dissenting voices because this year is leading up to an election year. Mm. Well, uh, so there's going to be an election in Zimbabwe next year. He's got many more elections to steal yet. Yeah. Before yeah. He he's only, been, he really. he's only yeah. been president for 30 years. I mean, come on. Well, Let could, him have a go. He could live till 89. Uh, and re- reports of content currently shown on ZBC uh, show that, say that the government-run and uh, the only television network oh. in Zimbabwe is little more than just propaganda yeah. for the Mugabe government. And other critics place the blame on... I read quite a few articles and uh, went through a lot of Zimbabwe yeah. news for, for this. Uh, and I found one critic uh, especially who uh, placed the blame on... Uh, Mr. Charumba, oh, who okay. is the, the permanent secretary in the Ministry of Media Information and Publicity, mm. who is also the spokesperson for President Mugabe, Prime uh. Minister Morgan Ch- Tsvangarai, uh, saying that uh, the coalition government was clear in wanting a more open television platform mm. and that his comments are misleading the public. Wow. So uh, it's said that a large part of the population uh, in Zimbabwe already subscribed to South African pay television just mm. to get that that extra bit, even though they can barely afford it. But even South African, I've got a friend, my best friend just moved to South Africa and the media over there is just so limited in terms of what they have. Like there's like one newspaper and the TV right. in the same it's way. Like it's like Adelaide. Adelaide and Perth. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> if, Darwin. If anyone in Adelaide gave a crap, I Has guess. Brisbane got yeah. two? I think Brisbane has a couple. Korea Mail. I don't know. And yeah. Oh, the other one. 
<laughs> no, uh, sure. Bris- Brisbane but Times. But if they're looking to South Africa, it's very, um, it's incredibly limited over there. Generally, they have a, a, so many issues to work through politically over there before they can, you know, like work out this stuff. And it's a shame that they, I don't know, that they've got the same guy doing, you know, oh we, oh we don't, oh we want it, no, oh we don't. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's really it's 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 nothing but dodgy. Mm. Uh, and it, it looking into this, it made me feel like such a, a horrible white privileged middle mm. class whinger when I'm complaining that Stephen Conroy won't open up the anti siphoning laws and uh, and, it's all relative. and that they've done it's a different you know that they've done the whole digital rollout incorrectly. Yeah, and I'm like, but hey, well, digital television—it's all wrong. <laughs> While I'm sitting at home with my fifty-nine channels. <laughs> Having said that, it, it, um, it's it's quite interesting uh, what's happening with mobile phones in Africa. Uh, generally, I'm not sure if you saw Jonathan Dimbleby's uh, doco in that Tuesday. A real person. Tuesday Tuesday night, uh, yeah, he's, he's a long-term uh, hot, uh, political political reporter, in fact, from the UK, uh, who I'm assuming is uh, retired, and he was doing the Seven Ages of Britain, and uh, now he's in in uh, partway through this doco oh, travelling around Africa. That guy, right? I saw Seven Ages of Britain. Yep. Um, and and talking about how the mobile phone has just revolutionised, uh, like the the uh, the Kalahari. Desert men, no, the, the, the tribes. Yeah, um, and as far as being able to to do trades and farming and stuff, and, they do. Uh, it, they do it, but it's it's all about mobile phone because they don't have the infrastructure of landlines. Which, so they do it yeah. via via SMS or via on the phone or SMSing. Uh, they have a payment system over phones as well, wow. so you can transfer funds from phone to phone. Uh, but but again, I think I think the the problem here though is is the government control. Uh, the so problem here in Australia, no, well, with, with here in Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe here in, in Zimbabwe, story. yes, here, oh, here in this oh, story, definitely the problem is, the, is Mugabe, is 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 the, the yeah. government control, and I think he's uh, a slimy election. Chief. If there was, if there was a way for them to get more television channels through mm. their mobile phones, that that would be fantastic, yeah. obviously. But uh, I, just, I don't see anything good happening soon. No, but hey. Election year election, next year. That's what I was just thinking. Who knows? Any minute now. Who knows? <laughs> there could maybe the Greens will get in in Zimbabwe. <laughs> Bob's talking about it already. Who knows? <laughs> and that is the box cutters news. Hi, this is Lawrence Mooney. I've been on the telly, and if you're into televisual delights, then there's only one show you need to be listening to, and that's box cutters. Get your ears into it. She didn't really say that. No, I'm afraid she did, and it's official. We do taste just like chicken. Oh. 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 So what body part was it she ate? Oh, well, Sammy, please, Sammy, please. I've been up to my neck in this psycho all day. Yeah, but what would be the point, Cleve? Point of what, Sal? Well, you said you were pushing to pursue this to trial. So what would the point be? Yeah, the time and the money wasted on an exercise which is going to make absolutely no difference to your client's future. Well, to be brutally Francis with you, I don't give a shit about my client's future. <laughs> what I do give a shit about, believe it or not is the law. <laughs> Since when? Well, I don't know about you lot, but I, I don't want to live in a society where, for purely political reasons, someone can be charged with a crime they didn't commit. You know, that's a pretty serious accusation, oh, mate. And, and it's all kosher because he's got a couple of mental health issues. <laughs> a couple of mental health issues? He ate someone. He's a monster. He's misunderstood. So you're going to convince the jury that this cannibal isn't a monster? Well, it's easier than convincing them an economist is a human being. <laughs> so, but 
the taxpayers of this state, this great and prosperous state, yeah, 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 have, have to have, have to fork out because one of your highly selective principles has reared its ugly head, eh? You don't give a rat's ass about the law, Cleve. You get low-life crooks off all the time. 51% of the time. And once again, you misread me. The very reason I get my low-life crooks off is because I care about the law. It's justice I don't give a toss about. <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh... And that is, I think, a really fitting introduction to, to Rake. That was a, a clip from the first episode of the new ABC drama starring Richard Roxburgh, mm-hmm. who plays Cleaver Green, a barrister who is really just a stuff-up. He's, uh, he, he's divorced, lives above a, a, a shop, he owes... He's, he's gambling got gambling addict. debts. Uh, he's he's behind on paying his debts. Uh, he's uh, he's he's you know frequents frequents brothels. Gets drunk. Doesn't have his own room in chambers. Even his assistant doesn't doesn't like him. Uh, there's doesn't she? Oh, well she's she kind of just tolerates him. Is the, is the way I see it. He's, he's a stuff. I think she enjoys keeping him in line, but uh, she he, she's definitely underappreciated by him, and, and he doesn't pay any attention to her. But he's also, as we heard there, ridiculously arrogant. A lawyer. I know. Mm. I know. And so, and it's a it's a legal drama that focuses very heavily on his personal life as well, and uh, and the the legal part of it is. Really, kind of acrobatic uh, circus freaks who to add a bit of sort of a little, a little bit of excitement hey, to whoa to a univers- unpredictability university professor who ate someone. Uh-huh. We've all they had were, one of them. They were discussing in, in that episode, or uh, uh, episode two was uh, a, a woman trying to get her daughter off. Woman trying to get get her daughter off uh, who'd been convicted of uh, murder. Yes, uh, but the the way she got her. Adorov was was by having sex with one of the jurors, mm. and uh, seemingly pretty much the way she got anything was by having was sex by having with sex. somebody. And so and she so, got her daughter off by having sex with one of the jurors. Got her that daughter, sounds, yeah, yeah, but it's not. She got her daughter off the. She, uh, she brought the, the attention to the case. Of, I see yes. what you're saying. Uh, it's a it's a it's a great cast. Well, uh, I I can hear in the I can hear Lisa McCune. I can hear Jeff Morell. Who I can never see enough of. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Morell is, is fantastic. Uh, Matt, I love you, Jeff. Matt Day is in it. Uh, Matt Day being really geeky. Yeah, it's, it's a, a nice change, days, isn't he? It's a nice change. It's good to see him. Mm. Good to see him working. Mm. Uh, and uh, Danielle Cormack, who is a New Zealander, uh, she played Epiphany in Xena, and <laughs> uh, and has been in a whole bunch of New Zealand TV. Yeah. Uh, not not a whole lot of Australian stuff. Uh, she plays uh, Richard, uh, sorry, uh, Cleaver Green's uh, instructing solicitor, mm. Barney. She plays his wife. Uh, right. Uh, who plays a large part in the story of, uh, and, of this series of Rake. And who is a prosecutor. Uh, yes. It yes, she's quite, also a prosecutor. From that um, audio bit, it sounds quite um, mannered. 
you know, I don't know if that's listening to TV audio because there's, you know, this person talks and then this person talks because that's how TV well, talks. Well, that, that was a dinner. That was a dinner party scene. And, but, and with but that- even so, that sort of, uh, I suppose, class kind of structure. I, I, uh, I, I don't see that. That is a typical snip from a sample of what it's like. Mm. So that's the first episode. That's the pilot episode. Yeah. It's all been a little bit overwritten, I think. Okay. Um, and, and But like there are dinner parties as in, in subsequent episodes where it's a lot less kind of mannered like that and, mm. and he's well, there, less of a, there is less, in- less arrogant and, and more kind of just, just – Knifing in on on these other arrogant assholes. Yeah. Well, see, that's that's what I like about the the dinner scene in episode two is it's kind of a counterpoint. Correct. He doesn't. He's so blind to his own arrogance. Correct. Mm. That uh, that when he sees arrogance in somebody else, he needs to cut them down. And this is uh, this is something else that that uh, we've been talking about on on box cutters, and we plan to look into a lot more in the in the coming year is television as portraiture. Mm. And I think Rake is a, a perfect example of taking a television show and just making a portrait of one human. That's a really interesting idea. Like, it's I, I can see a lot of that going on in TV at the moment. Where do you, like, I don't know if this is the time to talk about it, but where do you think that, like, when do you think that started? Do you think that was like it's almost with the Sopranos, like Tony Soprano was that, and then there's all the background of all the people around him, and that was sort of the first one of those? Yeah, it, it did It did start very much with, uh, with Sopranos, but then also go, going further back uh, with Larry Sanders' show. Mm. Uh, we, we can see it. We can see it throughout history. There are there are little bits. Larry Sanders' show was the first time that I ever saw. Uh, you know, here here is an individual mm. with all their wonders and all their flaws, mm. and we get to see everything. Everything. Yeah. What about uh, uh, Alan Partridge? Uh, yes. Alan Partridge is the same, but Which Alan is- Partridge came after. I'm Alan Partridge came after Larry Sanders' show. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm Alan Partridge is, is the Seinfeld. same. Seinfeld, well, no. I think Seinfeld, no. No. <laughs> That's the, is it a family of friends? Is it a family thing we talked about the other week? Yeah. yeah. So the, uh, so, so Rake really fits into that mold mm-hmm. of here, here is a man where we're looking at a man's life and everything that he is at this point in time. And the dynamic really reminds me of something, but I haven't been able to pinpoint it. The closest thing that I just came up with was uh, with Hank in uh, Larry Sanders. No, 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 no. no. In um, in Thingo with uh, David Duchovny. Oh yeah, Californication. Oh, yes. Californication. Because I was going to go to X Files first. Oh, I've been rewatching <laughs> that. It's so awesome. Anyway, um, so so a lot of kind of casual sex and it's. it's I think there's a lot of similarities, even though Hank's a writer and and uh, Cleve's a, a barrister. Yep. The the casual sex, the the kind of you know rakish type person that that's easy with the women, um, but still being a bit of a fuck up. The, for, has for a, a lot of parallels between both of those. For a large part, has given up on life. Uh, mm. Has mm. has a child who he still wants to mentor. There are there are, there are lots of lots of similarities there between the. Are there, uh, typical, I suppose, for me to ask this question, but it seems it's a very male thing. 
to you know the, the male middle aged fuck up and you know I can't I, I can't, can't I'm ten years a... I'm ten years away from that I cannot wait <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't looking at you like that <laughs> you can't wait um, to be that I can't <laughs> wait you've got to, to crack out a kid to mentor to be, right but then I will just I will be drinking at two o'clock in the afternoon and uh, I like it yeah I want to watch it okay could you do it with uh, just like a big brother little brother oh nice partner, like uh, yeah. wasn't there a movie about that. Uh, uh, role models. Role models. There you go. That's the one. But That's what I mean film. in that sort of portraiture, there's not really any like female I, nurse Jackie, I guess, which I never watched. Which and it, and which isn't great. It's not great as mm. portraiture. Uh, it's it's not great as as a series. It's just it's not engaging. And I think the reason you'll find that Courtney is because women are not interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, right. it's it's actually because uh, because it's very hard to convince women a to network. Like women. No? So it's very hard to convince a network that mm. women are interesting, yeah, because there there is that ex- that pre existing bias, yes, uh, and even and I, I don't know why that happens. I really I really don't. But the only women that we tend to see on uh, on television who have that vague portrait bits mm. are. Uh, are just men with with woman's name yeah. essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's there's no like, difference. Like Zena. Like Zena. There's no difference between the way Nurse Jackie treats her, you know, going through the the motions and mm. and a man going through the motions. I don't see that there's a lot of uh femininity there in in the way that she's in the way that she's handling it. Yeah. And I would I would like to see that. I was thinking about that with with Rake and thinking about why don't we have any uh, any strong, uh, intelligent, slightly arrogant, but fun to watch. Fun to watch them go down the sinkhole. I'm here. I'm in right their own here. way. I am right here. Um, Give it a few years, Colin. <laughs> Give it a few years. <laughs> Ten and a kid. Come on. Um, but actually, and this is such a weird reference to make, but I was reading an interview in The Green Guide with Lavinia Nixon, mm. and she was talking about how she goes to the meetings at Channel 9 and it's her and a bunch of men and the men all talk about what the women like. And she's like, do you want to ask me? And her big point was, but then they ignore me and I just say it anyway. And if that's, you know, if that's the sort of... They're still, but that's they're still what she not, does on Hey Hey. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. But yeah. They're, st- they're still not listening to her. Exactly. So I think that's probably part of the, the issue with, you know, networks picking that sort of thing. And also there's that idea of, of what I was saying before, women, you know, women are quite happy to watch a man. Because you know it's interesting, and he's a bit sexy, and oh, he's so. And men are quite happy to watch a man because oh, I'm like him, except he gets a lot more babes. And you know, but when it comes to women watching women, not so much. And the, that's the idea behind it, anyway. And the, so, so one of the problems I have with Rake uh, from from that perspective is the women in Rake, uh, other than his ex-wife who acts as a counselor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, to to him, mm. right? She, he goes to her for counsel. And she's the only one who's really uh, honest and, and tells him what he needs to hear. Mm. All the other women are just there to get him in trouble. Yeah. And it's the same. In, it, it's very similar in Californication, except in Californication, he doesn't take advice from anybody. Uh, all the women are just there to get him into trouble. They are all just some kind of burden in his life. Mm. And, or danger or, or and, know, trap to fall into. Uh, and it... It's so it's not a it's not a very realistic look at mm-hmm. how people go through go through their lives, but I don't think that's what we're going for with no. Rake. One of the things that we've I think failed to mention 
is that the writing is really fun. It's really fun to listen to these characters talk. It's really fun to watch the trouble that people get into. Mm. So for for all for and all its, its flaws, I, it's a really entertaining show. I think if he wasn't a barrister, there are times when the writing wouldn't be believable. Like when he when he has these major monologues where he's just ripping somebody. I I don't think the people normal people talk like that, but mm. because he has the barrister backgrounds, you that it, it does actually fit in with it. Well, and actually, we, we've got a clip to to show that point uh, where he he does talk about uh, why it's important to sound like you know what it's to- what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Essentially, mm. she walks in beauty like the night of cloudless climes and starry skies. And all that's best of dark and bright meets in her aspect and her eyes, thus mellowed to that tender light which heaven to gaudy day denies. Bugger me, he was good. Yeah, but what use is it? You mean what use is it? It's poetry, you knucklehead. Has only one use, and that's for pulling chicks. Trust me, mate, you inhale it. <laughs> so that's, uh... That, you know, that, that's it. He, he understands why it's important to sound smart. He understands everything that he's doing. Mm. He's doing everything for, for a purpose. To pull <laughs> chicks. And it's, it's, all, it's all to pull chicks, even though he knows that they get him into trouble. Uh, but it's a hedonist. So it's, 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 but it's a fun show. It's nice to when hear was, that really Aussie kind of... Well, and Richard Roxburgh's great to watch. Like, he's just yeah. he's just a, a joy to watch. I mean, he's too tall to be Bob Hawke, but he's just... <laughs> In one of the scenes, he was looking decidedly untall, walking next to, to his his former solicitor, who is becoming a junior solicitor. Ah, yes. There was, it's, she, was, she was quite a bit taller. I assume she was wearing heels. Well, but, you know, that was at one of those uh, kind of big dinner things. <laughs> Got to be told to be a hooker. Sure, it helps. Okay, is that who you were talking about? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. The- <laughs> I, I don't. Just thinking about it now, I don't understand why that dinner happened with, with that that very that variety of, of different uh, legal type people at the same dinner. Well, and this is this is actually a, an interesting part as well. The timing of the show is weird. Days will pass uh, without any any understanding of what's happened in those days and and there'll, there'll be no establishing shots or anything like that. So it's a very strange feel to, to the show. Who's who's made it? Who wrote it? What's who's uh, involved? It's been written by Peter Duncan, who did films like Children of the Revolution and Unfinished Sky. And this is his first TV series, That's I believe. Inter- I'm always interested to hear about people who have done film and are now doing TV, bringing something, you know, as you say, you know, <laughs> days pass, we don't know what's going on. Yeah. I, I think it's something fresh to it. Adult moved from film to TV, as we discussed some months ago. Well, I think it's also a lot easier to get TV made in Australia than it is to, to get a, get a, a film, film made. made, as Margaret well, said in the paper last more week. More people will watch it. Well, yeah, that's true. Well, that's, that, that's true as well, because they don't have to be seen going to a cinema seeing an Australian film. But, mm. Yeah. Heaven forbid you should spend $16 on an Australian film and uh, well, but they're maybe all bloat. about heroin and people dying and sad families. I mean, who wants to see that? I know. Where's the cannibalism? Where's the... <laughs> on rake, apparently. Where's the Lisa that's, McCune getting her kid off? That's where it is, mate. There was lots of, lots of half-nude action from Lisa McCune. Really? Yep. And yeah. I used to want to be her when I was, when I was at high school. Well, start Friends. working at Coles. 
<laughs> I did work experience with the police force because I wanted to be Maggie Doyle. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I, I, they wouldn't actually, have you? No, I did it. No, but they wouldn't have you like after you'd grown up and... I changed my mind after a week with the police force. <laughs> good on you, boys in blue. Yeah, yeah. good work. Uh, but <laughs> I think girls. I think uh, Lisa McKeon y- yet again is showing her acting chops in this in the role that she had in the second episode. What, I think she's maybe a, trying to break out of uh, of a oh, mold because Maggie Doyle and XO are essentially the same role, mm. and she's tried to do this in the past. Uh, Everybody thinks people she's feels so weird sweet. About it, and yeah, and did people, you feel weird about it when I you did, saw it? I did God not. No. I did not. I just went, "Wow, she's doing a really good job." Oh well, that's good. Hugo Weaving's got a guest role. I mean, this is. I assume, the- I assume it was all natural and it wasn't some sort of some sort of breastplate that she had because <laughs> because that that kind of negligee around the shoulders. Uh, all pe- the way through, did I not don't. shift at all. Do people wear breastplates? Well, it's- maybe you know. It's, <laughs> I don't, she, are you? <laughs> she may be using. Are you, uh, a breastplate yes. is what you're saying. So uh, she got, she went and played some baseball be. after she got her kid off. I was talking about her. There wasn't actual, much movement. Her acting going on chops, her not her actual breasts. acting chops, not her jubbly jubbly chops. <laughs> Brett, uh, but there there are other great uh, great guest roles as well, and and it's the it's the guest roles that are the, uh, the usually usually the defendants. Uh, uh, that uh, that Cleaver's got on his uh, on, on his list. His uh, clients. Yeah. So Lisa McCune, Hugo Weaving, we've seen already. Sam Neill's coming up. Oh yeah. Rachel Griffith is oh, yeah. uh, is coming up. Uh, Sam Neill uh, defending some sort of lamb conspiracy thing. Sure, why not? I just I can't watch him in anything <laughs> these days thing. and not think of of his lamb heads. Yeah, I was wow. thinking about that this then too. Um, uh, uh, happy Happy City, happy, what was that? Happy Town? That short-lived American thing that he was in? I think we've you forgotten. And, you and John were raving about it. I've watched a few episodes of it. Happy Town. Ta- oh no, I wasn't raving about it. I was told to watch it and then I didn't get to watch it and then it was cancelled and then it came back and then I think it was cancelled again. Yeah, so but he's in that. And right, I, I just can't help but think of him in his uh, eat lamb persona. Well, that's that's done wonders to bring us back onto topic. That's Ch- right. Chops. chops, 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 acting chops. Nice acting work. Chops. Oh, Courtney, what would we do without you? I don't know. Get Tim Ferguson. Rake is on <laughs> ABC One on Thursday nights at nine thirty. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. But it's also nine thirty. I think it's nine thirty. But it's also she gets a of language. It's also uh, available on iView. The uh, first three episodes, if you've missed them, are available on iView. So we'll put a link to that up on the blog. Bonjour tout le monde. Bienvenue à Box Cutters. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Box Cutters. This is Toby Sullivan uh, displaying his bilingual prowess on the best TV podcast that uh, I've ever encountered. Last week, uh, Toby Halligan brought a news item to my attention that I then ignored uh, because I don't know, I didn't have the the time or the patience, Toby. It's for the best. I, I was, I, I don't know why, but it was a really interesting piece <laughs> uh, about a, a, about Pack to the Rafters and a character dying on Pack to the Rafters and a psychologist saying this can really 
adversely affect people watching it. Absolutely. Uh, the psychologist was um, Dr. Janet Hall, and she was talking about how the recent death of one of the main characters in Back to the Rafters and the funeral was something that could lead to depression in serious fans of the show and that people needed to be conscious of how they were feeling and how they were reacting to the show. So I sat down uh, with Dr. Hall. She's a psychologist, hypnotherapist, sex therapist, author, professional speaker, trainer, and media consultant, and had a discussion with her to, about... To, to, just to clarify, you sat down with her on the telephone. <laughs> That's true. I, I, we were both sitting down. I'm, I'm assuming. She may have been sitting down. She could have been in a spa or a pool or something. <gasps> I don't know. She it, might have been it was on the couch. birthday. That's true. It, it was. She was very good, actually, uh, having a chat with us uh, on her birthday. So um, uh, we had a very interesting discussion about how people respond to television shows and how they deal with the consequences. I started by asking Dr. Hall how often she encounters patients who've had serious psychological reactions to things they've seen on television. Not so much patients, just people that I talk to, um, you know, during the ordinary kind of the day. Mm. Um, particularly my dear old mother in a nursing home who mm. basically lives her life through her television. Mm. And, um, you know, the people on shows like that are... Uh, her extended family, and certainly, you know, other friends my age, you know, uh, very busy professionals still take time out to watch their favourite TV shows and identify with the people in them. How, how common is, uh, do you think, serious kind of psychological reactions to events in television shows would be? Um, when I was kind of doing a bit of research after reading your article, I found um, some interesting articles on uh, the suicide rate in the United States, for example, talking about when a bold and a beautiful character uh, kills themselves, uh, directly afterwards there is a noticeable rise in, in the suicide rate. I think that, that, that's really taking it to the extreme you know of course we do identify with the characters and we do learn a lot from watching them either succeed or mm. or fail with um with their experiences in life but mm. uh, um, we've really got to learn to disengage and say look it's just a it's just a tv show yeah absolutely yeah. you know so we don't have people kind of running out after they say rewatch the uh, the kylie jason donovan wedding you know getting hitched just because they've been inspired by by the characters they've well, seen a, but i also just keep remembering that in australia we've only got 20 million people and in the states there's 200 so of course you know there's just so much more room for variety yeah, you know, absolutely. Cop copycat suicides, unfortunately, you know, is part of society, mm. and um, and you know that's a it's a little bit uh, concerning, particularly say for parents with um, teenage kids. Mm, absolutely. Although um, I, I read about a positive example as well. Um, there was an example in Britain in late two thousand where a Coronation Street storyline, a character had died of cervical cancer, and um, as a result, uh, some doctors did some follow up research and they discovered that there'd been uh, a massive increase in the number of women actually getting cervical smears in, in Britain, like a 20% increase uh, the, the year after, because they've been so affected by that storyline. And um, I, uh, w uh, yeah, I, I was just kind of absolutely astounded at that. I guess it, it kind of raises the question whether, you know, uh, at, at some point we might reach a, a situation where, say, government would, would pay people to insert certain kinds of storylines to, you know, raise awareness about different kinds of issues, perhaps, or to actually, uh, you know, inform people of different kinds of problems. Yes, well, that would be excellent in terms of uh, positive information giving mm. because knowledge is power and obviously with the British show, the women were learning that cervical smears is a you know, highly recommended and useful thing to do. Mm. Um, I believe that um, 
in, a, in Mexico. Um, my husband's a professor of social uh, sociology and <clears throat> is an expert on television in <clears throat> Latin America. And mm. he said that the Mexican government did pay to insert um, information, but right. it's not been done anywhere else as far as he knows. Right. And mm. what kind of information were they... Was this into actual storylines of, like, uh, fictional yeah, shows? In, in the in the telenovelas, which, you know, the, right. the Mexicans um, just absolutely love. And, yeah, yeah it was more, it's more about health. Right. Um, so... Yeah. That's absolutely fast. So you'd have, say, a character who smoked, like, getting lung cancer or, like, kind of public <laughs> health messages. Yeah. That's that's absolutely yeah. fascinating. Well, it's it's really good for um, you know like m- mass awareness, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I mean, I, it happens I, anyway, doesn't it? Just naturally, without the government having to pay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, of course, I guess smoking in Hollywood's you know the clearest example of you know a public health issue that's been kind of. You know, it's something that people worry about in an ongoing way, people being inspired to smoke. Um, one, one kind of interesting uh, thought I had was, you may um, recall a couple of years ago, um, an actor from All Saints, uh, Matt Priestley, um, uh, killed himself. And uh, the kind of there was, I think, uh, definitely a period of kind of mourning, uh, certainly, you know, in the national media, and I imagine amongst... Um, you know, fans of the show, etc. But I was wondering whether you thought, like, when it comes to how people actually respond to, you know, characters in fictional stories, whether we almost have more empathy for those kinds of characters than, say, the actors that portray them, perhaps, you know, because we, we almost know the characters better than the people actually who are actually the characters. <laughs> yeah, well, that's human nature, isn't it? That mm. we project our... Um, our own identities onto those identities on television and in movies. Mm. Um, that's just natural. But I wanted to go back to that very first question that you asked me, which is um, how common are serious psychological reactions? Well, I do think that for TV and movies, um, a lot of people can develop a fear, a strong fear, um, you know, perhaps of um, sore, <laughs> mm. of being burgled and robbed and, um, and, and raped. Really? Um, yeah. I, I do see people who come in and they say, I saw a movie on TV and I can't get it out of my mind and now I'm obsessing that somebody's going to break into my house and rape me and kill me. Right. That's interesting, isn't yeah. it? Given, I think, you know, you, you often read in the paper that there's this contrast between the crime rates that there are actually are in Australia. You know, generally across the board, we're getting safer, but people seem to be more and more afraid. You wonder how much of that is caused by, you know, the fact that there are so many cop shows on Australian television. Like, uh, I don't know exactly how many there are, but I'd certainly say, like, it makes up the majority of the drama that we have on, yeah. on TV here. That's right. Well, I'm actually in one called Tough Nuts, which is, um, oh. yeah, and talking about, you know, Australia's most um, most horrible criminals. And, and, what, and, and uh, they certainly were horrible, horrible people. Mm. And, you know, um, the audience is fascinated by how horrible yeah. they were and, and how, how, what macabre and grotesque things that they did. And, and uh, there seems to be some evidence that women, even more than men, are fascinated by that sort of movie. Right. That's, that's yeah. interesting. Is that, is that, is that a, a danger element, perhaps? Is that because women yeah. naturally feel more vulnerable, perhaps? Well, or? that's right. So once again, you know, there's that, um, there's that double-edged sword where it, um, it, it, it fascinates them and sort of, you know, and, 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 and takes them up with excitement. Mm. 
Um, and then, of course, the great relief and release of being able to turn it off and say, well, thank God that's not happening to me. Yeah, thank God that person is actually in jail or, you know, yes. uh, whatever. Right, that's, re- that's really interesting. So Tough Nuts, is that, is that on television presently? Yes, it's, uh, they're doing, it's about to do a new series. So it's on, um, it's on uh, Fox, Foxtel, as far as I know. Oh, right. Yeah. Fa- uh, fascinating. So I guess my kind of final question is, so do you think that uh, screenwriters, producers, I guess people involved with television generally, do they, do they have an obligation, like a moral obligation, to think about their viewers' mental health when it well, comes to... Look, we'd, we'd like to think so, but I believe, you know, they would see that they have the, the right to project their art yeah and it seems to me that often they will go one step too too grotesque too macabre mm. um than what's good for the audience and that's where parents of course have to be very um careful of supervising what their kids are watching though kids are so sneaky they'll get at it anyway but you know we should supervise the kids because otherwise the kids are watching things that their minds just are not able to integrate and um and rationalize and yeah know, you know how kids identify with the characters that they see on the on the screen. Yeah, I think we on Box Cutters actually a few weeks ago we um, were discussing a news story about how uh, a boy, uh, a teen boy in the United States, had murdered his younger brother ostensibly because he was reenacting something he'd seen Dexter do. You know, mm-hmm. Dexter the serial killer yeah. show. Yeah. yeah, like I guess yeah, it's scary stuff. When it, but it's often I think when we kind of think of you know uh, cop shows here in Australia, you know, like uh, uh, whatever it be, you know, Wild Side or uh, Water Rats or whatever it is we don't often actually think of that as threatening or something that would influence people's behavior you know it's more like it's often we get focused on you know hollywood and more extreme uh examples that are kind of more violent or more sexual etc but i guess when you think about it like because we empathize a bit more perhaps with australian characters because you know we recognize traits that they have or situations they're in like do you, do you think they might be the, the kind of characters that are more influential on behavior or that we empathize with a bit more perhaps well yes um but you know for those um very extreme personalities who would then want to enact it you know these are people with uh, um you know psychological problems yeah you know that they're already there serious issues yeah serious, serious psychological issues and and so um yes they might over relate to the to the local material even more so mm. and so you know they are a worry to us you know society has to be careful of those those sociopaths, basically. Doctor, regarding what you were saying about people not expecting the extremes that TV shows often go to, do you think that's partly a result of us paying no attention to the ratings advisory information at the beginning of programs? Does that have any impact at all? I don't think that we really take much notice of that. Mm. No, I don't. In, and, and sometimes it... Um, it actually turns people on, you know. The switch says, well, you know, I've been told to be careful of this, so mm. I'm going to watch it anyway. Um, that's that's kind of how we walk on the wild side, isn't it, from the from the comfort of our own living rooms. So uh, I, find, I find that really interesting that, A, she doesn't think that the, uh, that the advisory information at the start of, of a show is enough warning for people for, for what they're going to encounter. Uh, but... Something I think that we need to investigate further, Toby, is what are people expecting from story when they're when they're getting it on on TV, and how much uh, how much do they want to be surprised? You know, I, uh, I don't know if you were 
listening at the at the time when we were talking about Chuck and uh, and the shippers who are the people who want relationships to happen on TV shows, not realizing that the drama is in the relationships not happening, and they want to so, so they want the relationships to happen, and then uh, they do happen, and the people aren't surprised anymore. Mm. How much? Do people say they don't want to be surprised, shocked by what's happening on TV and then and then they are? I think that's something we need to investigate. Absolutely. I think we often watch TV shows with completely artificial expectations because we look at the characters on the television show and don't recognise that it's a character. People relate mm. to them just as human beings without recognising the reason I'm enjoying this is because this story fits together in these kinds of ways and this character fulfills this role. People aren't able to break down how everyone fits together in mm. the story, which mm. makes sense. And also I think too, once it's it sort of you get to a certain level of watching television, you know how to break down those sort of things. Like I was actually, pardon me, I apologise, was watching Offspring last night because... I, t- I, I don't mind it. Oh, Somebody I, has to. I like Don Haney. I just love him. Oh, so Series 3 of East West 101 is uh, coming up. Yeah I, yeah. yeah, I saw the first and he's a great actor. I think he's wonderful. Um, so I just kind of watch it because he's on there. The rest of it, I'm a bit blah, blah. But, you know, it, it, towards the end of it, if... If you haven't seen it, I'm spoiling the end of the last episode of the season. Towards the end of it, the sort of secondary characters, the sister and Eddie Perfect, <laughs> mm. get together. And I went, oh, yeah, well, that means they're not the main couple, Asha Keddy and Don Haney, not going to get together because we've had the payoff in, oh, that's happy, that's nice. So now I know we're not going to get the payoff of the other one because it worked. that's how it works. But so many people, you know, they don't watch TV like that. It's such a rare way to sort of go, oh. I don't need to watch the last 10 minutes now. Most people are like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Um, so I think a lot of people just, they buy in and that's what the television is about. But that's good storytelling. If people are buying into it, that's Absolutely. good storytelling. Absolutely. So if people are upset by good storytelling, should we not have good storytelling? No. Well, not at no. all. I think the fact that people are upset by it is often a sign of good storytelling. I, there was an, an example of this recently. I was talking to a friend about The Wire. I'd recommended that they start watching The Wire and had perhaps inflated their expectations because I'd finished most of the series and said that a whole lot of people die. And they'd gotten most of the way through the first season and were like, where's all the death? What's going on? And then one of their favourite characters got killed off and they were really angry at me. They were really upset and had a visceral reaction, even though the nature of The Wire is... warned them. Yeah, and all the characters in The Wire have massive flaws. They're all... and, And the world is radically different to our own. It's not like we're naturally empathising with people because we live in a ghetto. It's because of how the story's constructed that makes it so compelling. And but that's where the price lies. And mm. also the thing with The Wire too is you buy into the classic sort of trope of McNulty being the, you know, the cop who goes against the rules and, you know, but he's the good guy. And then it just collapses underneath it within about three episodes, the fact that he's not, he's just a bit of a dick mostly and there's all this other stuff going on and everybody in that show has you know their pluses and minuses but you know just like anybody else it really evens out but well McNutty th- kind of basically stopped being challenged and and so lost interest and, and went back to being an alcoholic mm. but it's the uh mm. it's the it's the thing of like that that the, the fact that McNulty went through that process that's what 
had me engaged with the show because it wasn't going through the normal processes. Yeah, but you would when I saw when I saw the car accident from Pack to the Rafters on an ad for Pack to the Rafters mm. uh, afterwards for the funeral episode. Yeah, for the fun- for the funeral episode, I went, oh wow. Oh wow! I had no idea that they were going to do that. That's fantastic television. But that is that is fantastic storytelling. They had said and somebody was going to die in the ads. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's particularly good though that we're still having those strong emotional reactions to stories, mm. given that so much television is just about raw emotion. It's RPA and the reality TV shows mm. where it's just 30 minutes of, is this person going to die? Look at these children. They're really upset, aren't they? Are they going to die? <gasps> this has happened now. What's going to... Like, it's just emotion. Yeah. There's RPA. no character. There's no issues. There's nothing underlying it. So it's. I think it's a, a sign that deep down, even though a lot of people watch that kind of crap, that people are still fascinated by real stories, stories that we can engage emotionally with, that even though so much television is just pure emotion and there's really nothing underlying it beyond that, that we still kind of can engage with those stories and they're still the stories that really affect us and we mm-hmm. respond to. But that's, that's you know, the, the human tradition of storytelling from however long back, you know, like always going to be. Okay, from then, then the last, you know, 60... 55 years? I can't count. 55. We've done well to keep that going. But the other thing too I was going to say is when I first started working at Channel 7, they said in our like first induction day, they went, you know, you might think it's just like a bit of fun and whatever, but people really feel that the television is a member of their family. It sits in the corner of their room, in their lounge room. They sit around it. Everybody's there. They grow up with it. So they have really emotional, visceral reactions to what happens on TV and they really feel like they own it. And when people ring up, that's how they behave, even though you're providing them with a free-to-wear service. So there's no... They're not buying it. They have no investment in it and, you know, ostensibly no right to be screaming at me about when we put the football on. People really feel that way about it. So you've always got people who are on the phone who are like uh, the number one fan in Misery. Yes, and uh, I can't believe you killed off my character, you yeah. dirty bird. How can- <laughs> <laughs> I'm get- oh, oh, no. uh, Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's not revisit that. <laughs> uh, Thanks, but, Kathy Bates. but yeah, so, so, so Toby, I think uh, I think we should look into maybe speaking to to a, a storyteller, uh, speaking to people who influence what happens on uh, on TV Definitely. with that with that specific view of how is it going to affect the people at home. Especially because I think it's interesting to look at the contrast between, say, how you respond to events you read in a book and, like, great novels, Mm. like, you know, things like 1984. I remember reading that as a kid and responding to all the stuff that Winston Smith was going through and the intensity of that. The way you respond to events in a, a good book even though it might be more shocking and your imagination inevitably paints a more detailed picture, is, I think, less... It, I, it filters less into your, your psychology in the way that TV does because of how we engage with it, because it engages with all our senses. So. Well, we, we look forward to your uh, your upcoming interview with George Orwell uh, <laughs> to, to discuss that. Absolutely. He's, he's raspy, raspy voice. Oh, okay. Spanish Civil War. First letter comes from Steve. Steve writes, I don't know if he's Steve Boxcutter. 
Or if he's Stephen. Just Steve. No, just Steve. Just Steve. I know it says Steve. So what if he, Steve. What if he mistyped? Hey. Hey, trust Steve. All right. All right. I've got a capital S. You know what? I will trust Steve because he's got good opinions. Good. I like people with good opinions. <laughs> Steve says, I really enjoy the Pork Trotters segment and the video podcast. Keep up the great work. Steve. Wave there out is- there to you on the, uh, the video Steve podcast. Steve's using the Oxford there. comma in his letter, by the way. Uh, he's using well, Oxford comma. Yeah, you heard me. Is that yeah. what they teach there? Where you, uh, where you put the comma before the end? The end yeah. Mm. The Oxford comma is only the Oxford. It's doubling up just in case. Don't really, really. Do you want me to get into this now, Courtney? I like it. It's only the Oxford comma if it comes after a list of things. If it's just a comma before an and, it's, it's just an errant <laughs> comma. <laughs> I was trying to make Steve a better guy. I was trying to make you believe in him, and now, now what's left, Steve? What have you done? <laughs> Can I tell you what I like about Brett Cropley? What I like about Brett Cropley is how committed he is to a lie. And uh, and even though there is no video podcast, every time he mentions White it, screen. he waves. Awesome. Every time he mentions it's it, true. he waves. He does. Uh, Brett, you've, you've, got, you've got another letter there. Uh, yes, from Tim. Box cutters is a highlight of my week here in Berlin, Germany. Surrounded by box heads, the addition of Nelly to the team is great and the whole program helps me keep faith that Australia is still a great place to live. In spite of what the media feeds us, especially over here, God, what has happened to the age in SMH? Keep it up, please. I'm about to sponsor. More Craig M, please. What a surprise. Very funny. Never enough Ellen Dale jokes. Best, Tim. Thanks, Tim. You are the best. So I'm glad, I'm glad you clar- clarified that you are the best, Tim. <laughs> uh, in future, though, if you could not hold your uh, mobile phone so close to uh, to the microphone, that would be great, Tim, next time you're leaving us a letter. Yeah, sure. Um, it, I'm not sure where that came from. Ah, can you hear it, though? Um, now that you it's mentioned it. It's freaking me out. Ah, it sounds like there's a mosquito stuck in my ear. It's gone now. It's gone. It's done. It's Thank finished. God. Phew. If All you've right. got a letter that you want to send to Box Cutters, how Hooray. can they do it? Hooray at boxcutters.net, H-O-O-R-A-Y. I'm glad you spelt that. I was at, wondering. At boxcutters.net. Or there is a contact us link on the blog at boxcutters.net, which is a lot easier. Just go to the website, click a button, fill out the form, click send. <laughs> it's done. Gone to us. You don't have to worry about spelling or nothing. That's right. Courtney Ho King. How could you? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Josh Canal. Sorry sorry for, you know, referring to your Asian heritage. (laughs) I know that for some reason you're ashamed of that. I don't know why. My grandfather could speak Mandarin. It's, um, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm proud of him. It's my my grandfather once ate a mandarin. I think. <laughs> we maybe we are related. Maybe Who we can are. Say? Who, Who can knows? Say? Who knows? If you were going to watch one thing this week, what what would it be? It's going to be Breaking Bad on Thursday night on the ABC. ABC One. Yeah, ABC One. Have they restarted? I think they have the series on ABC I think they One. Have. So what, has it been showing on ABC Two for some time? Yeah. So what series? Coming, what series are they showing? I believe they're still at season one. Okay. And I have seen season three. 
agree. But I really feel season one is a worthwhile investment to make for how well it, it goes. Once it goes, Breaking Bad, it just goes. It takes for me it took it took about two episodes to, to get into it. And it took me like the whole first season. I was the first three episodes or so I was like, I don't know. But second season, come on, and third, whoa, it's Third amazing. season has one of the greatest openings of, uh, of any bit of television I've seen in a long time. I can't even remember now. So if you, if you can start watching uh, on ABC One, what night, sorry? Thursday night at 9.30. Thursday night at 9.30. Isn't that Rake? It's Rake, yeah. Or is it Friday? Maybe it's Friday. I looked it up before. Maybe I'm just wrong. God, I'm such a failure. Sorry. Don't be be so harsh on yourself. Sorry, you could look it up. It's on the ABC. And if not, you could buy it. And it's really good. It is. uh, uh, Yes. It's it's the grown-up Malcolm in the Middle. Uh, what happens it's to got him no, he, no. <laughs> Brett, if you're going to watch one thing that wasn't Everybody full of lies, this is my, <laughs> this is my, uh, what my theory been? on it. Um, well, I, I need to, to do next week's one thing first. Because well, you're not going to be here, you're just pre-recording. No, no, but, but because, because of the timing of, of the time that we uh, record the show, 7.30 Monday, William Shatner's Weird or What? <gasps> I saw that. That looks awesome. It it. It, it looks like it's shot in the early 80s, but it's actually quite contemporary. That's what William Shatner brings to television. He <laughs> makes it so. seem like the 80s, but it's not. Um, <laughs> hey, Josh, don't cry. You love you love, you love love the Shat. It's good. Check it out. Shat, my dad says. You love that show. <laughs> so It's such oh, a bad I, show. I haven't seen it's anything beyond such, the first episode. It looks awful. I saw an ad. I'm like, if that's show. the ad... Axe You know, in uh, we haven't done a review of it, but I'll do a review very very quickly. Mm. Uh, in the uh, in the in the mid eighties, there was a sitcom that starred Jack Klugman and John Stamos mm. called You Again. Oh, it's the yeah. same show with the same jokes. <laughs> so Quincy being uh, old and silly and saying crap. Yeah. It d- yeah, it looks appalling. But uh, for this week, the guy it- even looks like John Stamos. <laughs> And uh, today being the 22nd of uh, November that we're recording this, it is the uh, actual anniversary, I believe. Uh, It's part one of JFK, Three Shots That Changed America, Mm. on SBS on uh, Tuesday nights at 10pm. Where where were you, Brett? Uh, I I definitely wasn't around. What, you were busy? What, in 63? Yeah. No, I wasn't here. Wow, I wasn't are you born. so old that you've exist. just forgotten where you were? I didn't exist. You were so where old. Where were you? Me? Oh, no, I was, I was born in 1974. I, no, no, no idea. But you, you are so old that you've forgotten where you oh, were when minute. JFK was shot. I think I was hanging out with the Sumerians. <laughs> that, see, they, they didn't actually die out. That's, that's the beauty of it. But they've got a, they've got a hot pad, let me tell You're you. You're so quick. It's awesome. You're so quick. If I was going to watch one thing this week, it would be... Oh, any any any, any number of things. <laughs> um, I don't it's know. It's summer viewing. Uh, I know. It's the last week of ratings. Well, yes, it's the last week of ratings. So uh, you everyone's going to get killed off. Ev- everyone is going to get killed. Or get off. together. Chandler actually... party at uh, at Bendigo Street after the hey hey on Saturday night. I'd be, after yeah, party at M- Molly's house. I'd be watching. Uh, I'd be watching something on a channel I I don't have. Uh, the channel is Studio. It's uh, it's Thursday night at eight thirty. The show's called Dinner for Five. John Favreau uh, invites four other people out to dinner at some New York restaurant, and they just chat. Oh. 
And he's include- so many. He's so many. I know. He's so many. He doesn't even John, know it. John Favreau, the, uh, the d- screenwriter. The swingers. The the director of Iron Man. Okay. And went out with Rachel for a while. Sure. Not the speech writer. No, that was Isn't only one- that was that was fiction. Was it? Yeah, yeah. Didn't that, they actually hook up? Oh, I don't. Wasn't know. it looking serious at like some point so. after Brad Pitt? Anyway, this and, uh, this week's episode. Brad real name. This week's episode. John Waters and Colin Quinn. John Waters from Offspring. No, oh. no. Uh, J- John Waters from Baltimore. From Play School. Yeah. No, that's the same John Waters <laughs> as from Offspring. John Waters from All the Rivers Run. No, that's the same John Waters. <laughs> John Waters from from uh, uh, that hospital show. All Saints. (laughs) That hospital show. No. Hospital police rescue. (laughs) No. John John Waters. This is the John Waters I haven't interviewed but would like to. Oh, my God. Did you interview John Waters? Yeah. Wow. What did he say? Did you ask him about about working with Johnny Depp and... (laughs) Now Did you ask the- him about working with John Howard on All Saints? It's a different... The Prime Minister on All Saints. <laughs> it's a different John... It's... <laughs> anyway, that's Thursday night at 8... Thir- sorry, yeah, at 8.30 on Studio, which is Channel 132, if you've got Foxtel. Do you have to have the full package to have you, that? You have to have... Well, you have to have the package that has Studio in it, and I don't know what package that is, because I've got quite a few channels, and it's not in there. Yeah, you have to pay 150 a month, I think, for that. Oh, that's, that's too much. Yeah. Hey, um... When I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters. Pod. Cast. Done. Pork is on the table. Uh, Just a quick reminder that if you are interested in being in John Richards' show Outland, you can have a go at that this Friday morning at Katani Gardens in St Kilda. Just don't wear purple. Don't wear purple. But if you go to... uh, if you go to the Box Cutters uh, website, there'll be a link to the Facebook page where you can find out all the details of what's happening. It's starting at 8 o'clock in the morning uh, this Friday at Katani Gardens in St Kilda. Mm-hmm. Be there, show your fake gay pride, and march for Outland. What's well, a fake gay pride march, Toby? So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that's, that's it. Courtney Hawking... Uh, you're gigging around town. I am. I I run a gig. great. Thank you. And t- <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> hey. Hey. See what um, I did. I run a sort of music music based show at the John Curtain on fr- every second Friday night at seven thirty in uh, Carlton. And this this week, it, it's basically people people I am interested in pick their top five favourite songs of all time and play them and talk about why they like them. Oh, it's a fun. little listening club. Um, and this week we have Richard Watts of Triple R. Excellent. And uh, Arts Vivant Man About Town. Mm-hmm. And, Long-term and uh, Q&A DJ from back in the day. Indeed. And the beardy man himself, Dave Cowan. <gasps> Excellent. Yeah. So it's going to be pretty top, so I reckon. Oh, fun. Mm. Fun. And now it's time for Trotters with Toby Halligan. Ooh. Exciting times. I think it needs its own little intro, doesn't it? I don't. I don't think it needs that. I think we found the intro, Brett. Uh, I think that's that's really that's. Don't we, say, he won't. He won't. We need a celebrity to do he that. He doesn't get the. Sarcasm. We need to get like the babe pig to make those sounds. Magda Zabowski. Moving on. Oh, for- 
Breastplates are indeed a, a fashion item that's been popular throughout history. Zeus, Athena, and Left Hand Bear, a leader of the Comanche people who like to sport a hair pipe breastplate. Hair pipe? Uh, Made yeah. out of hair and pipe? No, no, they're quite, I think they're very thin. I think they're the What's thin the point kind of, of a pipes. thin breastplate? It's like pipe uh, well, it was actually a way of displaying wealth. Uh, that the plains Can Indians, you put money in it? No, no, no. This is Indian wealth. So the, That's Paul Dancer's using it. I guess you had a lot of people who were willing to make hair pipes for you. <laughs> I want to see a stripper with a hair pipe breastplate. <laughs> well, why would you? I'll she pay wouldn't for be that. a stripper then. It would be she'd, just, she'd just be a woman wearing a breastplate. <laughs> absolutely. I want to see it. I, am absolutely, I want to put money in it. I want to see it. You want why to put money in the hair pipe? <laughs> We've got an aspiration here. Can anyone help Courtney Hawking fulfill her dream? If someone, if someone could just make a, a mix-up, uh, some kind of beat mix-up. <laughs> Courtney Hocking, a TV show in this. With Courtney Hocking saying, I want to put money in it. I want to see it. Hard boom, techno, thanks. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> um, sorry, sorry. Apologies. We were talking about mobile phone penetration in Africa. Yeah. Interestingly, it recently reached... Because he's, he's only eight years old, Toby. of Africans now use mobile phones and as we were talking about it's transforming African society there was an interesting article in The Economist recently actually that was talking about how mobile phones in Kenya you may remember there were recently a bunch of quite nasty riots where a lot of people killed mobiles were used to incite the riots but they have also uh, a transforming uh, kind of Kenyan society because now people can go around and take pictures of everything. And while Kenya used to be very secretive previously, <laughs> it's now... Uh, listeners, you obviously can't see this because this isn't a video podcast, but Josh Canal is deep-throating the microphone. No, I'm not. It's something... It's such something, a dubber. How can he, how can he gonna, talk when he's deep-throating? Yeah, that's some impressive that's, throat control. It's amazing. Yeah, it now, is amazing. Now, watch me drink this water while my dummy talks. Lovelace had stuff to learn from you, if only... Moving on. Moving on. Uh, just to avoid a couple of legal issues, Will <laughs> Self did indeed snort heroin on John Snort. Major's snorted heroin. What's the point of that? Yeah, so people he said he did heroin, heroin. On, on the Prime Minister's jet. Well, did's well, an ambiguous term. In his yes, own words, <laughs> so I was smacked out on the Prime Minister's jet. Big deal. <laughs> mm, there you go. Really also, big deal? He didn't say big fucking whoop. N- n- why would he hey, say that? Hey, hey, he's Who just cleared up the legal issue. controversial. Big effing whoop. I'm pretty sure snorting <laughs> heroin's enough without adding a swear word to your sentence. Yeah, because that's I'm really going to sure, turn it. Like the conceding you've snorted heroin on the Prime Minister's plane is the controversial oh. part? You want to know how much of a rebel I am? <laughs> what, man? Kids are ugly. <laughs> whoa, huh? whoa. Hey, hey. Whoa, you're yeah. out of control, man. Totally. Jeez. Totally. Far out. That is totally more controversial than you snorting coke on the school bus. Finally, I want to end on slam ball. Slam ball is indeed, it's not a particularly popular sport, I think, in the United States. It was actually invented in 2002 by by Mason Gordon. This is, no, no, Mason Gordon. This is a quote. He teamed up with a TV producer, Mike Tolan, who agreed, uh, Tolan was a film producer of Smallville, Wild Hogs, and Coach Carter. This is a quote from the Wikipedia article. Gordon then tried to convince street basketball players to test his new idea. He wanted to find skilled, strong players who could compete comfortably while launching off trampolines and crashing into each other in midair. That's a comfortably really is the operative word in that sense. I like it that he went to the street where the real trampoline (laughs) talent is. He wasn't like peeking 
going over fences, trampolines. checking out whose kids could trampoline. He went to the street. <laughs> if you're interested as well, the six teams in the American Slamball competitions are the Maulers, the Slashers, <laughs> Rumble, the Ombres, the Mob, and the Bouncers. There you go, oh, and that slashes. is Trotters. Out of in- if, if there are any uh, Canberra box cutters, I will be performing tomorrow night at the front in Lynham in your fair city. Tomorrow and- night being Tuesday night? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes, and I'll also be... A lot of people might listen to this on a Wednesday and they'll go to they this place on a, on a Thursday. That is very week. true, that is very true. I'll also be on next Monday, actually, at the, the local laughs. Ah. Mm. Oh, lo- local down in uh, St Kilda. Mm. Nice, mm. nice. So you're not going to be here doing this show? No. Right. Interesting. <laughs> Thanks for letting me know. I just did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there are some things for off-air, Toby Halligan. Like deep-throating microphones? No, yeah. like telling you you're fired. <laughs> well, this has gone well. It's been great to be back. Thanks, Courtney. That brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode 250. Quarter of a thousand. I know. You know what? I'm not going for a thousand. <laughs> really? Yeah, I think if I'm still doing this in 15 years' time, yeah, something's definitely gone wrong with my life. Yeah. Yeah. But what if it's if it's evolved? It's still box cutters, but it's it's but it's, it's on widescreen in 3D. A horse of a different colour. Mm. I don't know whether I could handle Brett Cropley in 3D. <laughs> It'd be an intense experience. <laughs> <laughs> You've got him in 3D now. Don't spoil the magic for the listeners at home. Brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode 250. I want to say Josh, thanks very much I to... I think you're saying I always phone her in. I want to say thanks very much <laughs> to uh, Dr. Janet Hall for uh, her interview with uh, Toby Halligan. That Did was she, excellent. She used to be married to Vince Colosimo, didn't she? Uh, that's Jane Hall. Ah. Uh, Different. Awkward. Different. You'll... <laughs> yeah. Mm. Different. Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. I'm Courtney Hawking. I'm Toby Halligan. I do continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. And hey, <laughs> let's be careful out there. Box Cutters is produced by Toby Halligan and Josh Canal, with help from Brett Cropley, John Richards and Nellie Thomas. Our audio engineer slash magician is Brett Cropley. Peter Wilson commands our servers to do his bidding. Box Cutters thanks 3RRR, whose studios we use to record this show pretty much each and every week. Listen to the greatest radio station in the world on 102.7 FM if you're in the area or else on the web at rrr.org.au. If you enjoyed this episode of Box Cutters, then go to the iTunes Music Store or Facebook or Twitter or something and write a review. Spread the word and help other people find this show so that they can enjoy it too. If you're looking for us on Twitter, we're at Box Cutters Cast and our Facebook page page is facebook.com forward slash boxcutters. Email us at hooray at boxcutters.net or through the contact us link on the blog which you'll find at boxcutters.net. You can also send us an SMS on 0458 288 837. That's 0458 cutter. Forgot to mention earlier that Nellie Thomas will be back in the Nellie Thomas chair next week. What, so what? listen up for that one. What, what? Especially Tim in Berlin who uh, made special mention of, of Nellie. Uh, now, Toby Halligan, uh, one thing that you've got to learn is when people do visual tricks uh, just for your own benefit that don't have any audible component to them, uh, just say, saying them, talking about them, it's just, 
it just makes the the audience feel like they they're, they're missing out. I guess I was making deep throating sounds in my head watching you do it, so I probably I didn't even realize. But you do that. You, you do that. Anyway. <laughs> I do that every for, time I see your lips. For, for example, <laughs> for, for example, there was an incident that we had in. Uh, in the studio that involved me, Brett Cropley, and a donkey. And this is a very professional man. Didn't crack a single smile. Listen. Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Gutters.